0: Headed. That's kind of the, the mission of this uh, sermon series, 2020 Vision. Where we headed? Kind of the subtitle would be uh, celebrating the past <clears throat> to create our future. I have a cold, nothing like a cold in the middle of the summer. Uh, but I, I, you, you've, you've seen Bob Goff enough for me, you know that I love just how he makes. Um, following Jesus' fun. It's, uh, it's not legalistic. It's, you know, he, he just loves people. He loves God. He just uh, lets things go. And, and see, I, I think sometimes we need to do this. We, uh, we wait, as individuals and as churches, we, we wait for the perfect plan until we can write everything down, step by step by step by step, and, and then if it doesn't work according to the plan, we get really confused and we don't know what to do. And so I want to tell you that our vision as a church leadership, or, or maybe even more specifically, my vision, what I believe God is, where God is leading us, is not perfectly laid out. But I, I want us to cut the lines. I want us to just be willing to go with the flow and see where God's working and and to accept that sometimes we're going to fall down and we're going to fail. It's been said that we overestimate what we can accomplish in one year and we underestimate what we can accomplish in five years. And see, I believe that's very true. And I, I can pile and pile and pile what I believe can happen in the next year here. But more importantly is, where are we going to be five years from now? When I was a farmer and uh, I would lay out my my plan for the next year, my wife, who um, she tried to rein me back, and my mom, who ran the books, she would go, yeah. And I think they both just finally came to the point that, all right, listen, if 50% of what you've dreamed up can come true, then we'll we'll be all right. And maybe as a church, you should just accept the fact that you have a dreamer as a pastor, and if 50% of what I hope for comes true, we're gonna be in a better spot, we're gonna be doing more than we've ever done. I, uh, one of the things that I wanna point out that sometimes in the next few months and years, we are going to do things that just literally get sprung on us. One of the most successful things that ever happened in our farm or when we we transitioned over to Red Barn Farms and we were raising all natural meats and all that kind of stuff, um, I came up with this bright idea of doing food clubs. And a food club was... Uh, If you've never heard of it, it's where people would buy into our farm in the spring and then we would provide them food throughout the year. But they paid for it up front, gave us cash to work off of until we could actually provide product for them in the end. My wife, God love her, said, it's the dumbest idea you've ever come up with. (laughs) But she didn't tell me that until after I did it. See, I, I, I thought of it on a Friday. We were going to this big local event on Saturday, and on all night Friday, I was typing up my ideas, and I was making sign-up sheets, and we released it on Facebook, and on Friday, I started signing people up for our brand-new food clubs. And my wife said, after we had like 25, 30 families signed up and bought into our farm... I'm glad I didn't tell you what I was thinking. Because you wouldn't have done it. And she's right. We've been married for 23 years now. Because I listened to what she says. Sometimes you're going to have to trust us. More importantly, we have to trust God. Because in a couple years, we had over a hundred families buying into our farm every spring. They they would get most of their meats and all of their vegetables from us. From a goofy, weird, I don't know where it came from idea. And I think that's how ministry is going to work here for us. Sometimes people are going to come to me and say, I I have this idea. and You know what I'm going to say? I'm not going to say, well, let's let's study it. Can you show me something? I'm just going to say, all right, go for it. Let's see what happens. Let's just run with it. Let's, let's untie the lines. Because it doesn't do any good for us to just be sitting around waiting for it to get perfect. We have guidelines. We have guardrails, if you read this morning's devotion, that are going to keep us focused. And, and, and this is the, these are the three words that I want you to grasp a hold of. That this is, this is the language that we are going to be using from now and forevermore. Connect, grow, serve. We have this new expectation that we desire for everyone in the church to be connecting to God and connecting with other people, to be growing in their spiritual walk with Jesus, in their faith, and then to to find where their their passion and and their purpose lines up and they can serve in the church and in the community. And so... That's, that's our vision, and then how this plays out, I have no idea, but I, I don't think that's all bad. Um, I want to, we're going to be in 2 Thessalonians today, and I know it's, it's difficult. You've probably had, you finally learned where the book of Luke was, because we've been there for six months, but now, now we're, to, we're turning over. We're going to be listening not to Luke, but to, to Paul for today. Uh, In 1 Thessalonians, in the second chapter, Paul writes these words, starting with verse 1. You know, brothers and sisters, that our visit to you was was not without results. We had previously suffered and been treated outrageously in Philippi, as you know, but with the help of our God, we dared to tell you his gospel in the face of strong opposition. For the appeal we make does not spring from error or impure motives, nor are we trying to trick you. Just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you. Because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. Surely you remember, brothers and sisters, our toil and hardship. We worked night and day in order not to be a burden to anyone while we preached the gospel of God to you. You are witnesses, and so is God, of how holy, righteous, and blameless we were among you who believed. For you know that we dealt with each other as you, a father, deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God, who calls you into his kingdom and glory. So let's focus back now on that very first verse. You know, brothers and sisters, that our visit to you was not without results. As we go forward into the future, we want to make sure that we are focused on the right results. Churches commonly, uh, they, 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 they check the ABCs. Attendance, the building, and cash in the bank. If those things are strong, then everything's all right. And that it's not all bad. Throughout the Old Testament, we just got done reading the book of Numbers. They, they counted people. Lots of people. Lots and lots of people with funny names and long histories. And, and I know you, you, you muttered through it just like I did, getting through the book of Numbers. The New Testament... They also counted numbers. On the day of Pentecost, they told us that over 3,000, the church was instantly born as a megachurch. But they also said that that the, the, the number was added to daily. They counted how many people Jesus fed. So we can't really just say, well, numbers don't matter, because numbers do matter, because every number is a person, and every person has a story. And so, see, people matter, and so it's, it's not all bad that we count numbers. Over 60 new people attend on a Sunday morning here than 18 months ago. We went from 85 over, to over 140 to 150 people here on a Sunday morning. That matters. Show something's going on. But I, in the future, as we go forward, as we try to focus more on connecting with one another, I want the ABCs to be that we have an attitude of gratitude. That because we're so thankful for what Jesus has done, that we're, one of the things that we're going to be counting is hours of service. Because we desire to give back. We are so thankful for what Jesus has done in our lives that we want to help others. The B, I want it to be boldness. Paul's, Paul talks about the, you know the boldness. I want their, and this comes from spiritual growth. And it's difficult, it is really difficult measuring spiritual growth, but we want to make sure that people are growing in their walk with Jesus, that they're going through the connect and the grow and the serve. And then the C connection. How deeply connected are we in relationship to God? How deeply connected are we in relationship to one another? There's a book, I've mentioned it a long time ago, it's a book called *Try* by Sebastian Junger. And uh, in it, he tells how uh, one of the frustrations, one of the confusing things in the uh, early part of the United States was when, uh, when the white settlers would be captured by Indians and they were brought into the Indian uh, uh, way of life, then when they were rescued the white settlers, the English people, they would actually escape and go back to the Indian tribes. They couldn't understand why why would they want to go back? Why would these captives want to go back and live with those natives, live with those people that have nothing? The funny thing was that it was never reversed. Indians rarely, if ever, desired to be part of the English community. It was because they had a sense of tribe. They had a sense of, of community, that they shared everything. And while, yes, there was a leader, for the most part, it, men and women, that they were, they were equals, and they shared everything. They had this, um, this sense of belonging that wasn't in English culture. We actually see this today today. When an, in- when an Amish boy or girl turns 18 or 16 to 17 years old, they're allowed two years to live in the world. They're allowed to go and do whatever they want to do. It's not held against them. I have actually seen this when, uh, right after college, uh, one of the pre- people that worked beside me on a horse track in Lexington, Kentucky, was an English or an uh, Amish guy on his two-year adventure. But he, as much fun as this guy was having, and he was having a lot of worldly fun, he knew without a doubt that he was going back to his family. He was going back to be part of the Amish community. 97% of the Amish, when they have the opportunity to live in our world and have all of our material wealth and to have all of our technology and have all of our ways, they reject it. And they go back to their ways. 97%. Why? Community. Sense of family. See, I I want in the future for us as a church, for us to be this, this community of believers where it's not about attending a building to give a little cash on a Sunday morning but instead we're here spending time with our family, with our tribe, and we're honoring our Father. We're here with authentic worship. We're giving sacrificially of our time and our talents and our treasures, and we're being connected with God and to others. See, that's the vision I have for our future. There's not a, a lot of ways that we can plan that out and schedule it, but I think we can feel it when it's right. Verse 2, Paul says that uh, we had previously suffered and been treated outrageously in Philippi, as you know. But with the help of God, we dare to tell you his gospel in the face of strong opposition. See, I want us as we connect with one another and we connect closer with God that we're willing to dare greatly. Greatly. They faced great opposition, but Paul was willing, and because, and he says, with the help of God, that they were willing to share the gospel. I, I shared this quote with you last week, and I, I'd forgotten this quote for a long time, but for a number of years, when I worked with, in the special ed cooperative at our, um, in our area, for 20 some years, I, or 20 years ago, I put this quote on my wall. but who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly. Teddy Roosevelt wrote that in 1910 for a speech that he gave in Paris. The critic does not count. It's those who are in the arena giving it everything that they've got. JT's baseball team, we used to teach them as when we were coaches that some days you win and some days you learn. What I want us to be in the future as a church, as individuals who are, we're willing to dare greatly. We may fail. We may fall on our face. Lord knows I'm messed up. I fall down all the time. What doesn't matter is we fall down. What matters is we get back up. But as we go forward, I want everyone to have a voice in what we do. But I'm going to be really honest. I'm going to listen most closely to the people who are sweaty and dirty and bloody because they're in the arena side by side getting beat up with me. I will not put a lot of emphasis on the critics who are sitting in the pews and sitting on the sidelines just watching and making their opinions known. As we go forward, we're going to go forward, and we're going to be bold, and we're going to be daring, and yeah, we're going to screw up, and we're going to mess up, but we're going to fail fast and learn from it and go on, because it won't ever be perfect, because if we wait for something to be perfect, we've already missed the opportunity. Verses four, we pick those up. He says, On the contrary, we speak of those approved by God. We are to be entrusted with the gospel. We are not trying to please people, but God who tests our heart. You know, we never used flattery, nor did we put on a mask to cover up greed. God is our witness. We were not looking for praise from people, not from you or anyone else. Even though as apostles of Christ, we we could have asserted our authority. Most importantly, we have to connect with God first. (coughs) Who are we trying to please? Are we trying to please man or are we trying to please God? It's time to take our mask off. See, we walk in here every morning and and, and I don't know, I have yet to actually, very rarely do I meet anyone when I say, how are you doing? They say anything other than good. but unless something's di- way different about your life, most of you did not walk into this room. Good. We've all got something hanging over our head. We all have something that we're worried about. We have someone we care about. We have something that we're praying about, and yet there's no authenticity. We don't feel comfortable sharing those things. We don't, come, we don't feel comfortable coming down the aisles. We don't have a culture here yet, yet, of of being willing to accept one another in our messed up lives. But it's coming. We're starting to see it. People are starting to talk a little bit more and more. And the church, oh my, the church, we're so notorious for saying, well, we can't do that because we'll upset them. Okay? Who's them? Who are they? Why will they be upset? Well, I don't know, but they'll be upset. Who are they? Well, I don't know. Well, then how do you know they're going to be upset? But they will be. They always have been. Maybe they're dead. (laughs) Maybe they're no longer here. We don't want to rock the boat. The church, we're... We're, we're peacekeepers. We're, we're notorious for being people pleasers. We want to make everybody happy. And I have really, maybe this is good news, bad news. I don't know how you're going to take this, but guess what? I'm too old, and I don't care anymore. I'm not here to please anyone but Jesus. Um, and I, I, the main reason is, is because as a pastor, so far, Unfortunately, I've buried more people that I'm not sure of their salvation than people that I knew where they were going. I am tired of telling a false story, a false narrative that it's okay because it's not. We don't know. I've had to bury my own family under those same situations, and when you do that, from your own heart, from people you love and care about, you know what, you just don't really care what the critics are saying. You wanna spread the gospel boldly and faithfully and move forward. Become less inward focused and more outward focused because we have the answer to what ails our culture. So these are the types of questions that I want us to be able to answer. As we go forward, is it biblical? Well, if it's biblical, then it's okay. Is it mission-focused? Are we doing it well? One of the best quotes, something that somebody told me recently, actually, it was someone I was talking to about Ben before we hired him. And uh, one of his references was talking about, as you move forward as a church, one of the things that you want to make sure that you're always doing is doing things with excellence. You want to do things as well as you can with all your capabilities and and, and be able to do things with excellence. Because what you want to be able to do is when you try something new, you want to limit your critics to their preferences. In other words, as long as you do what you're doing with excellence and with quality and you try to do it to the very best of your ability and you do it with excellence, then the only thing the critic can say is, well, I don't like it. They can't argue that you're not doing it well. They can only say, well, I don't like it. And then you can just say, well, that's too bad because we're really not doing it for you. We're doing it for Jesus and we're doing it for the people who are not here. See, we're trying to reach the lost, not cater to the saved. Paul continues to write. Instead, we were like young children, just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you because we loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. As we connect with one another, we need to learn to be able to share our lives with one another. We need to be able to develop these authentic and vulnerable relationships. We're willing to to take off the mask and just share who we are and and how we're struggling and, and how people can pray for us and how we can pray for them. We live in one of the most isolated, unconnected cultures of all time. We have social media, but it's actually the opposite is true. People think that they're they're online friends. They're not real. And people sit in front of computer screens or on their phones, and and they think that they're connected, but in reality, they're not. They're lonely. And we're raising the first, this is really scary, but we're raising right now the first generation of young adults that never have to ask an adult how to do something. They can ask Siri, they ask Alexa, or they YouTube it and just watch it on a video how to do things. They don't have to come to any single adult and ask them a question. And as an adult, you, I know many people who are building houses and fixing cars by YouTube videos. We were told that. We're remodeling our house. We'll just YouTube it and watch it and do it. Didn't work out. I could watch it, but these hands can't do that. Gosh. People have been opening gyms for years, but the CrossFit thing goes gangbusters. It's the most popular movement in the fitness industry. And do you know why? It's not the movements, it's not the exercises, it's community they work out together in groups they encourage one another they love upon one another same thing with the Spartan races that i promote all the time it's not about the obstacles it's not about the race it's the sense of community the sense of it's kind of like the military no one gets left behind you help everybody and we we the people outside these walls and some of, many of you in this room you're lonely Depression and suicide rates are high in the church and outside the church. People are looking for a place to belong. They're looking for a home. They're looking for a tribe. This is one of the areas where I can say that this church, we we we're great at this. When people come to this church, I, I honestly believe that they keep coming back to this church. Like I said, we've grown, actually, we've grown like 45%. It's not the music, it's not the preaching, it's nothing that we do in here. It's what we do starting at the front door. When people are told, good morning, how are you doing? And and they're welcomed, and they're loved, and they're accepted. And, and people put their arms around them, and people invite them down to come and have coffee and donuts, and to come and join a small group. It's... It's what we do really well. We love people. We're starting to build some real relationships. In fact, as we go forward, as we look at how we connect, one of the things that we see that we need to address, and it's, it's still, this is where we're, we don't have anything lined out perfectly, but our, our, our big Sunday school class in that big room It's got to get broken up. We need to do more classes with more teachers and smaller attendance, so that it's more like a small group, so people are more comfortable to share, so we can build deeper relationships. So we're going to have to, some people who have the gift of teaching, you're going to have to step up and teach, and we have to share rooms in this church and, and reprogram some things, but we're going to mess it up. But we're going to get it. We're, we're going to work at it because we have, because we're doing it, because we care. And finally, Paul writes, "For you know that we have dealt with each other as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God, who calls you into His kingdom and glory." We're we're called to live lives worthy of God. And so as we connect with one another, we can encourage one another, we build these relationships, we know how to help each other out. Um, When our grow team, a, a new ministry that we have here, we have some people who are focused on just how to help each other grow. One of the very first things that we noticed as a team was that we have no expectation of growth. People have just there's just no expectation. We just, people are, we expect them to come to church, but that's as, about as far as it gets. And so, uh, as a team, we're reading a book, and the elders are reading this book. It's called Simple Church. And in this, tr- uh, this is a true story about, I want to introduce you to a guy named Johnny, Johnny Lechner. Um, he is, uh, says he's finally moving on. Actually, the University of Wisconsin at Whitewater is forcing him to graduate. He's been there too long. He was targeted to receive his diploma in May. Uh, you probably know someone who's squeezed a four-year degree into five or six years, but he's gone well above that. Lechner's been in college for 12 years. That's right, 12 years. He's almost 30 years old. This entire time, he's been working on his bachelor's degree. Lechner still dresses like a college student or poster child for Abercrombie & Fitch. He still goes to college parties. In fact, one of his major goals for his final year was to go on two spring break trips. He is such an overachiever. He even ran for a position on student government with the platform of his collegiate experience. He's actually, he he was interviewed on late night talk shows. And Lechner says he likes college, just in case you were unsure. He enjoys the carefree lifestyle and the avoidance of real-world responsibilities. He likes sleeping late, playing some music, going to a couple of classes, and then hanging out with friends. Staying in the same place is comfortable for him. College has become a perpetual comfort zone for Lechner. Sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? Church has allowed that for years. We've allowed people to come in and stay in the same spot, sit in the same pew, and go to the same Sunday school class for 20, 30, and 40 years with no expectation of spiritual growth, no expectation of giving back through acts of service. That's not the vision of the future. We don't have a clear plan yet. We can't line it out exactly, but we're working on it steps that we can help people and encourage people to grow, to keep moving along a timeline. Otherwise, you become Johnny Lechner. You become Chris the, Christ, Chris the Christian who has been going to church for 20 years and it's never really changed, never been transformed. One of the ways we're doing it, and we're going to start just in a few minutes down in the fellowship hall with a new class called Shape. It's an opportunity for us to to use scripture and and define how we are shaped for ministry, to find our purpose and and how our, our passions and our purpose, they line up for his kingdom, not to build ours. As a church, we've been here for a long time. We've, we've got a lot to celebrate. We have a tremendous foundation. But we're not done. When I, when I came, one of the things that I was told from the elders and, and from the search team is, is that uh, we, we've got a good church, but we don't have a good relationship with the community. We have a bad reputation in the community. And I shared on Easter the story of the lady I met who said that this church would chew me up and spit me out. That's the reputation. The beauty of it is, is that recently in a conversation I had with someone at the bridge, they said, you know what, we're, we're seeing a real change in the attitude of the people that have gone to your church for a long time. We're seeing more involvement and more activity in the community. But we're not done yet. There's too many people in this community who do not know Jesus. And that's why we're here. To share the gospel boldly, greatly, even in the face of opposition. Let's pray. Father God, Lord, we love you so much for your word. We thank you for Jesus and what he's done, what he has, he has rescued us. Lord, we thank you for this family that we have here. And Lord, we don't want to get stuck on numbers, but we want more and more people to learn the gospel of Jesus Christ. We want more and more people to know who he is and to share boldly with him. Father, uh, thank you for this beautiful, wonderful family that we have. We love one another. We're, we're starting to connect in a deeper way. But Father, help us to connect uh, with others. Help us to connect with you. Help us to take off our mask and to accept ourselves and other people in our messiness. Lord, that's, that's probably the most difficult thing. To believe that we are actually worthy of your love not because of what we have done, but because who we are. We are your sons and your daughters. So Father, we thank you for your incredible love. We thank you for this time together as a family, and we look forward to how you want to move us into the future. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.